Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Missouri's win against Kansas State was huge for Missouri, and it was another one of those where the Big 12 looking for better and quality wins, and we're joined by, uh, again, Gerard Hamilton, PowerMizzou.com on the Tigers and their win against Kansas State. Gerard, thanks for your time. How huge was that? It's a, a top 20 team. Kansas State's now out of the top 25. How important did Eli Drinkwitz need that particular win? I mean, it was it was huge. I mean, many many people thought it was the, the game of his career that he kind of needed to, to win this. The first couple of games, uh, the offense seemed a little, at times, lackluster. They brought in Kirby Moore over the offseason from Fresno State to be the OC. And this whole offseason, they just kept saying, you know, it's going to be a more explosive offense, more explosive. We didn't really see that the first couple of games. And he knew after the NCSU game, after it was much closer than it needed to be, that, like, all right, I got I to gotta put something out there. And him and Kirby Moore did a heck of a job on Saturday. And they not only did they beat a top-15 team, they beat a team they consider, you know, one of their rivals. So it was it was a big day for them. Gerard, how does this change maybe the optimism about the rest of the season, getting a win over a top 15 team, over a longtime rival, even though they haven't played it as that much since they left the conference? Does this buoy the enthusiasm, the, the push for the rest of the season? I know for myself I was thinking – just from my perspective, I was just thinking this is a seven and five team going into the season, and I'd always told people that that they could get eight and four depending on how the quarterback play looks going into week three. I was still unsure. I didn't pick them to win versus KSU, honestly, but with the game Brady Cook had and how that offense played, and their defense is their strong. So considering the defense didn't play that great, but they showed how to close. I mean, I think the. The floor now becomes seven and five. It's more more than the expectation, and there's a potential for ten and two with nine and three being in play. So right now, I feel like they're in the eight and four range, but I think nine and three is a possibility. And if everything goes right, it looks like it looks like ten and two uh, can be that ceiling. How much did Brady Cook uh, do to uh, encourage the Mizzou faithful, and, and how much of that performance mattered in the grand scheme of things, you think, for a, a guy that, that people wanted to see more from and, and that put it out there and had a great performance on Saturday? Well, you could tell it was just like a tough day. I mean, and it was a positive day, but it was a tough day because, I mean, since he got the starting job, you know, 
heading into last year, there was always questions as to, you know, could he do the job? Is he talented enough to do the job and all that stuff? And then he ends up winning the starting quarterback competition. There's still people saying, I don't know, I don't know. And then he has a career day with 356 yards and three total touchdowns. And he really put the team, you know, on his back for the most part. I mean, he did well. And he said in his post-game interview, like, it was kind of hurtful to hear before the game uh, when they're doing starting lineup introductions. I didn't hear it, but Coach Drink and others on the staff kind of mentioned how some of the Missouri fans were actually booing him during the starting lineups. And so he was like, I hope Brady didn't hear that. And when Brady spoke, he was like, yeah, I heard it. But, you know, basically it is what it is. And he just shows everybody, you know, what he can do. And he was saying, you know, he, can, he hopes the fan base can get behind him because – Brady Cook, you know, since he was little, all he wanted to do was be the quarterback from Missouri, and he's doing it. He wants people to rally behind him, and he thinks and he hopes that a win like this and a performance like that will kind of help that. What do you think has been Eli Drinkwitz's biggest problem in building to this point over there's finally finally some juice in, in the few years he's been there? Just consistency and I guess some people would go back to quarterback development as well. I mean, he's had four-star guys, and he had Tyler Macon. He, he didn't really pan out. He's had Sam Horn, and Sam Horn's obviously still, obviously still on the roster. But, you know, he he didn't win out. He like, brought in Jake Garcia from Miami. He didn't, you know, he didn't pan out as far as just winning the starting job in that regard. And so people look at that and say, you know, why do these teams keep going 500 year after year after year? And I feel like that's something to do with consistency and just development. There are some players on this roster, not just quarterbacks, that you would think, all right, that's a four-star guy from here, four-star guy from here. And you don't really see some of those players, and you wonder, well, what's going on? You know, why aren't these players panning out? But it seems like through the start of this season, through three games, you're starting to see, you know, some of these recruits that they're bringing in, they're, they're panning out. Uh, they got roles on the team that are important, like Brett Northfeet, for example, the tight end. He had a couple of receptions for 40 yards, and he had a big one along the sideline where he took a, a heck of a shot and still held on. If you look back last year, the tight end game was almost non-existent with 10 receptions for 102 yards, you know, among three tight ends. So just getting those pieces to work together, getting some continuity and consistency going, I think that's what can kind of move this team forward, but I feel like that's been uh, some of the issues, you know, his first three years. You mentioned the stars, and none shine brighter than uh, Luther Burden. Uh, folks mm-hmm. who follow recruiting, and you know, obviously the SEC uh, know all about the young man, but how special are we talking here and, and the start that he's off to already here in 2023? He, oh, he's, he's, he's what I say. He's balling out of control. <laughs> I mean, this. I mean, three straight games with seven receptions for 96 yards or more. Um, this is his second straight 100-yard game. And if you go back to last year, he had 45 receptions for 375 and nine total touchdowns uh, when you add in a couple rushing and, and a punt return touchdowns. And the expectations last year was like, you know, could he be close to a 1,000-yard receiver type of guy? I always thought that was a little, you know, high, especially what conference he's in. And he's a true freshman at the end of the day. Now – I knew coming in this year that he'd be kind of towards that near 1,000-yard receiver mark. And because it's such a talented uh, receiver room, I didn't think necessarily he would be. Not because he's not capable, but, as, again, they got so many talented receivers. But he's going to – I think he's going to go right past that. I mean, he's bigger. He seems a little bit stronger. 
I mean, if you if you watch him, he it takes more than one person to bring him down. He doesn't really have that many drops. He had a small, tiny little drop problem sometimes during the season last year, but I don't even really see that. Like you can see in every aspect of his game, he just took it up a notch. What did you make of Kansas State and just what you saw from them and their performance? Obviously, they, they wish it was a different outcome, and I listened to Chris Kleiman, and he talked that they were a little bit sloppy, but just knowing the type of program they are and, and where they came in with the ranking and all that, what were your thoughts on what you saw from the Wildcats? Wild, Wildcats are a, they're a tough team. They're, they're a good team. They, I think their number 15 ranking at the time was uh, valid. I didn't see the – I haven't seen the AP – Results as in, did you say they moved out of the top twenty to start? Right? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're unranked. Yeah, now. they're, they're yeah. unranked. Yeah, they, they fell oh, out. they're unranked. Oh, okay, wow. Um, I thought the I thought their ranking in the top twenty five was justified. They're a good team. I think something lacking there uh, down the stretch from both from both sides is some of the the time management at the end of the game was a little you know a little weird. Uh, Kansas State. I want to say it was yeah it was obviously twenty seven twenty seven on their final possession like they kind of they could have bled some of the clock out and, and they didn't and I think somebody went on a bounds or yep. I, just felt like, I can't I can't remember all of it but I remember thinking in the press box like well, that's that's not you're not supposed to be doing this right now and then obviously Missouri got the ball and they had blunders of their own but you know game winning field goal kind of nullified some of that. But there was just some weird stuff going on there. But I still think they're they're they've got a heck of a like position player group with, led by Philip Brooks. Got their offensive line is pretty good. I know they was missing their right tackle, but they've got some dudes. And Khalid Duke, I knew he got hurt early on in the game, but he's he's pretty uh, pretty talented as well. So let's close it out where it got closed out <laughs> with the big time kick the walk off Harrison Mevis uh Mevis uh correct me on the pronunciation there I'm blanking now on it here but um just take me through the atmosphere and just kind of what that was like from your vantage point to see the crazy ending uh, that we saw in Columbia it was really storybook um if you think about it because Mevis has had some struggles this year and he was a preseason all SEC second team selection uh, a couple years ago, he made the postseason uh, team as a first-teamer. And so he had some struggles last year, missed six field goals. Entering this game, he missed two field goals, missed his first PAT versus NTSU. So there's been all types of things on. Is it the snap? Is it the hole? Is it the kick? Even in the second quarter, he missed a 53-yarder. And the problem isn't so much that he missed a 53-yarder, but he admitted after the game, like, he hit, he, when he went to kick, he hit the – the field before he hits the ball so he kind of knew from the jump that he was probably going to miss that kick so to go from all these misses and people kind of being unsure about what he can do you know to making an SEC record 61 yard field goal after the blunder from you know the Missouri sidelines and stuff like that from taking it from 56 to 61 to make that kick with that pressure versus the rival team versus top 15 team I mean it was huge like it, it really felt like, as Drink said after the game, like a redemption type of story. Because last year versus Auburn, he had the exact opposite—a 26-yard field goal from right in the center—and he missed it, and they would have gone on to lose that game. So it was just kind of a storybook thing. Hey, man, we appreciate it. Uh, we'll have you on again with uh, Missouri news as it moves forward. We appreciate your time. By the way, just to let you know, Gerard, that uh, the SEC has handed down some suspensions for the Tennessee, Florida. Mm-hmm. 
fracas, so to speak, after the Florida win against the Vols. And we have that. Garrett, I just put that in your inbox, by the way. Gerard, thanks for your time. From PowerMizzou.com, he and Gabe Armand are also a part of what they do. This has been a Rogue Media Network 